Hey, what's up, everybody? It's your favorite quarterback hater, Robert Mathis, and you're listening to the For the Culture Podcast. This is the For the Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Diamond, with my man, Jason Spears. Guys, week one is here at last. We are just two days away from Colts-Jags week one, one o'clock on CBS in Jacksonville as the Colts take on the Jacksonville Jaguars. I could not be more excited. I couldn't be more amped up. Jason, we are finally here. Crazy, weird, long offseason, but we're finally here, and we have a half-game lead in the division along with the Jaguars and the Titans over the Texans who dropped their first game last night at Arrowhead Stadium to the Kansas City Chiefs. So we're already off to a good start, and Sunday hasn't even arrived yet with the Texans picking up a loss on the road on Thursday Night Football against the defending Super Bowl champs. And guys, if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, Apple, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Radio.com, all your favorite podcasting platforms. And if you're listening on YouTube, please make sure you turn on the notification bell so you get a notification every time we drop a podcast and hit that like button. Jason and I would really, really appreciate it. So Jason, at last, man, it is here Week one, Colts football, just two days away, and we're going to break it all down right now on the For the Culture podcast. How pumped are you? I'm ready, man. I, I never thought we'd get to this point. I swear the, the off season up until about August was going so slow and things were just not great in the, in the world. But it kind of seems like things are getting a little bit back to normal now. And, you know, we saw some football last night. We saw fans in the stands, which was nice to see. Good to see Houston lose and Bill O'Brien doing Bill O'Brien things. And, uh, man, as far as the Colts go, uh, the roster's as good as, as it's been in a long time, and I'm just ready to rock, man. I'm excited. I'm pumped for the season. I can't believe it. it's already another season here on For the Culture, but, man, I'm ready to roll. Yeah, man, ready to rock and roll. Couldn't be more excited for week one as we have these two teams, the Colts and the Jaguars, who are seemingly going in polar opposite directions. We keep talking about all the new faces in Indianapolis, the addition of DeForest Buckner, the addition of Phillip Rivers. You look at this Jaguar team, it's the opposite. They trade away Campbell. They cut Leonard Fournette. They trade away Ngakwe. So you have a Colts team with sky-high expectations of winning the AFC South, making the playoffs, making a run for the Super Bowl. And then you have this Jaguars team who many think are this year's version of the 2019 Miami Dolphins where they traded away Tunsil before the season started. This Jaguar team traded away Ngakwe and Campbell before the season started. So it looks to be a team who's in the tank. Gardner Minshew is a fine young player who we'll talk about, but they might have an opportunity first overall in the 2021 draft to draft Trevor Lawrence. So is this a team in the tank for Trevor Lawrence? I don't think that's a far-fetched idea. I don't think it's this wild NFL conspiracy theory. Right now, I believe this is an organization who has made it pretty clear based on moves they've made over the past couple months and past couple weeks that they are not trying to win in 2020. And that's a message you're sending to your locker room that we are tanking for Trevor in the 2021 draft. And I truly do believe that's what they're doing. So you have two teams, two locker rooms, two coaching staffs going in different directions. I believe Doug Marone is a dead man walking. And I think Frank Reich is going to be a candidate for Coach of the Year this upcoming season as we dive right into the Colts' defense and their matchup 
with the Jacksonville Jaguars offense led by second-year quarterback Gardner Minshew, who I believe is a placeholder for their 2021 draft pick, which will either be Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields. But Minshew is coming off a solid rookie season. He went 6-6, six and six, threw 21 touchdowns to six interceptions, and threw for over 3,000 yards, throwing for 3,271 yards in his rookie season, which is not bad for a sixth-round rookie. And he beat our brains in Week 17. So let's hope Gardner Minshew and the Jaguars don't start 2020 the way they finished 2019 against the Colts. Yeah, Gardner Minshew is a very, very poised young player. I thought he was exceptional last year for the talent that he had around him. It was not a very good team. But when he played, they were 6-6, six and six, which is 500. And if you look at that roster, really not a lot to work with. And also, just the locker room was in shambles. And they, and they got rid of a lot of talent. But they do have some talent on the offense. Obviously, DJ Chark is the big play guy, 87 receptions, 1,000. 182 yards last year for eight touchdowns. So he was their big play guy. They have two tight ends that are very, very talented, very good, Tyler Eifert and James O'Shaughnessy. So they've got some players, not a lot of talent, a young team, but but some some solid players. And they've got they've got rookies that I like a lot. They've got LaVisca Chenault, wide receiver out of Colorado, who I think is going to be a really, really good player for them. Colin Johnson, big big receiver out of Texas, who they drafted as well who I think is also extremely talented. And then a rookie running back, undrafted free agent rookie running back, James Robinson, who they like a lot, who's going to start for them. So they don't have a lot of name guys, and they don't have a ton of talent, but they're very young. And I think as the season goes on, you're going to see them take steps to get better and better. But, yeah, there's there's not a whole lot as far as they don't, they don't have, like, three or four great receivers. They don't have a ton of established depth or established players, but they do have some talent and some some players that the Colts are definitely going to have to account for. And taking a look at our keys to the game for the Colts, defense against this Jacksonville Jaguars offense. Key number one, don't let Gardner Minshew get into a rhythm. We saw him get into a rhythm in Week 17 last year. He finished that game 27 for 39 with 295 passing yards and three touchdowns to one pick. Don't let Minshew get into a rhythm. Yeah, it's, that's really the key to this game, in my opinion. You, you can't allow this guy to get into a rhythm. Once he gets into a rhythm, he'll pick a defense apart. Like I said, he, he's a really poised young player. They, they really like to uh, work in intermediate stuff with tight ends, and then they'll hit you deep with sharks. So uh, the Colts really have to come out, and I think they will come out and, and play really well and play good on defense uh, and not allow him to get into a rhythm. I think they're going to pressure him and uh, shut down the running game and not allow him to lean on that. So it's going to make it more difficult for Minshew to really get into a rhythm because I think they're going to be one-dimensional. So I think that's key number one, and I think that's the biggest key of the game, honestly. Key number two, and I think this is a key for every NFL team making their debuts this weekend, every college team playing their first game of the year, high school, and down the line. Without a very physical summer, without preseason games in the NFL, with limited training camp, not a lot of physicality. We just had those two scrimmages, no inner squad against another team. Gang tackling and getting to the ball, putting multiple hats on the ball carrier. I think this is an extremely important key for every team playing their first game due to the lack of physicality over the summer. Key number two, gang tackling. No question, Luke. And, and one good thing about Matt, well, there's a lot of great things about Matt Eberflus's defense, but one of the things that stands out to me about his defense is, is this is what they do every week. 
They run to the ball. They gang tackle. So I think I think he probably put an emphasis on this during practice this week, and I think it's going to be something that the Colts will do. I think you're going to see some fumbles. I think you're going to see Colts players really wrap up and try to do the best they can. Yes, they're probably going to miss some tackles. I mean, it, they're not perfect. But like, like we said, this is huge. This is something they have to do. I think if they can minimize the amount of mistakes they make tackling-wise – and just get to the ball. You know, if you can't get the guy down, hold him till your teammate gets there. Uh, I think that'll that'll help limit the big plays of the Jags and, and limit the yardage they get after runs and after catches. The Colts just have to play their game, and that is a part of Matt Eberflus's defense is getting to the ball, putting eleven guys to the ball, and, and they they really play that way and they play that way well. So I don't think this will be a problem, but it's definitely a key to the game. And key number three, control the line of scrimmage, which should be the easiest it's ever been for Matt Eberflus' defense with the addition of DeForest Buckner. And also, we never got into it, but when you look at the Colts' depth chart going into week one, they do have Danico Autry lining up opposite of Justin Houston to start over Alkadi Muhammad as we wait for Kamoko Ture to get back as he starts the season on the pup. Yeah, set the tone. That's really what what control the line of scrimmage means to me is set the tone. Early set the tone often we've got a legit front seven I really really love the talent of our front seven our defensive line even without Teray is very stout I think we can dominate their offensive line and I fully expect that to happen and I think you can you can get it if you can get on them early and get them down early this is the type of team a young team will quit if you can get them down so I think controlling the line of scrimmage is something that's going to be very very important in this game I think it's something the Colts will do and will help them win this game. I think they've just got too much talent on both sides of the ball, on both lines, and I think that's going to be the difference in this football game. Switching over now to the Jaguars' defense, matching up with the new-look Colts' offense with our additions of Phillip Rivers. When you look at the flip side and you look at that Jaguar defense, they lost some key players from a year ago. Ningakwe, who absolutely destroyed that Week 17 game. He was all over the field, getting in the backfield, wreaking havoc against us in Week 17. He is now on his way to Minnesota. We will have to see him in Week 2, but we will not have to see him in Week 1. Not that we ever would have because he was holding out in Jacksonville anyway, but he is now out of the picture, as well as Campbell, an all-pro defensive tackle, who is now in Baltimore, just adding another talented piece to that loaded defense in Baltimore. So when you look at this Jaguar defense, it's led by second-year first-round pick, Josh Allen, who had an extremely productive rookie season with 10.5 sacks, two forced fumbles, 23 quarterback hits, and 44 tackles all over the field, in the backfield, wreaking havoc was Josh Allen last year in his rookie season. Yeah, their defense is very similar to their offense. They lost a lot. They're very young. They've got some really talented rookies coming in. Some of the returning guys they, they or, or guys that they have coming in that they signed or that are returning from previous years, Miles Jack, weak side linebacker, 66 tackles, three tackles for a loss and a pick last year. He's he's a talented player. They still have him. They signed Joe Schobert from Cleveland, middle linebacker who had an exceptional year last year. Not a lot of people talk about him as being a great player, but last year, 133 tackles, seven tackles for loss, four interceptions, two forced fumbles, and two sacks. So he's going to be a big-time player in their defense. And then some of the rookies to watch for Jacksonville, they got C.J. Henderson, a cornerback out of Florida. They drafted in the first round. And then Clavion Chason, defensive end out of LSU, was a big-time player in the SEC. 
they got him in the first round as well. So those are two big-time young talents that, that the Colts are going to have to watch out for on that side of the ball. Now for our offensive keys to the game against the Jaguars' defense. Key number one, keep the Jaguars off balance and keep them guessing. Yeah, I think our offense is going to be much more well-rounded this year, a lot more playmakers, much more healthy, and I think we're going to take advantage of that. I mean, you've got you've got Mack out of the backfield, Taylor out of the backfield, Hines. You've got the receivers. I mean, and so the Colts can really pick and choose what they want to do based on the coverage. And I think by, by being able to obviously establish the run is something the Colts are always going to try to do. But I think that also this year they've got a legitimate passing game and they're going to use that to their advantage, I think, this week. The secondary is not a strong point for Jacksonville, so I would expect T.Y. Hilton to have a big game. I would expect their, their passing game maybe to open up their running game this week, as it usually works opposite of that. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Colts come out throwing this game only because Jacksonville's defense, especially in the secondary, is very young and very inexperienced, and I think Phillip Rivers could have a big game. Key number two, something you want to do every game, get off to a fast start. Yeah, and this is especially important for the Colts in this game for a couple of reasons. And I'm just going to read you a couple of stats. Luke, I told you these stats before we came on and you were shocked. The Colts are 1-9 and in season openers since 2010. The Colts are 0-7 in road openers since 2010. And the Colts haven't won in Jacksonville since 2014. So starting fast in this game is more important than most games because the Colts have a history of struggling in opening games and struggling in Jacksonville. So it's imperative that they jump on this team early and not let up for 60 minutes. Yeah, and as we said multiple times and we'll continue to say, this is a different Colts team. This is not that garbage Chuck Pagano-era Colts team, and this is a Jaguar team, which I believe is going in the tank, tanking for Trevor Lawrence. So I do not think that we will see either one of those streaks or any of those three or four streaks continue. And the last time we won a game on opening day, Jason, was back in 2013 when we played the Oakland Raiders, who had a wide receiver starting at quarterback, and we barely got by him. So... We have not been a week one team over the last couple of years, but when you go back dating to 2010, we have Caldwell for a year or two. You only have Manning for, what, that first year, and then he goes down in 2011. Luck comes in in 2012. Then we have the Pagano era, so you can't even count any of those games because we have a chimpanzee as our head coach in Chuck Pagano. And now, obviously, the last two years, we got off to slow starts with Frank Reich. But just in week one, we bounced back in week two each of the last two seasons. But this is the year where we have to win week one. We cannot go... Owen, what, eight on the road since 2010 in week one, and we can't go whatever it's been since, what, would you say, one and nine since 2010. Yeah. We cannot fall to one and ten in the last 11 opening days. That must change. It's a new decade now with the 2020s. Hasn't been a great start to the 2020s, but hopefully it is for the Colts in week one on Sunday. And key number three, minimize mistakes. No penalties, no turnovers. Minimize mistakes. Play a clean game, which is going to be difficult for a lot of teams around the league without a preseason, with a limited training camp. But with our coaching staff and the talent and the veteran presence we have from the quarterback position, the continuity between the offensive line, hopefully this is a team that's able to get off to a fast start like key number two and able to minimize turnovers, minimize penalties in week one. Yeah, really the only the only path to a win for Jacksonville that I can possibly see is if the Colts just self-destruct. And they've done that before. I mean, we go back to the 6 nothing game 
uh, not to bring up past bad memories, but it's happened before. Hopefully it doesn't happen here, and I don't think it will. But the only way to me that the Colts lose this game is if they turn the ball over, get a ton of penalties, and just beat themselves. I don't think head up Jacksonville can beat the Colts. The Colts, if the Colts just stay within themselves, play their game, minimize dumb penalties, you're going to get, I mean, look, you're going to get a holding call here. You're going to get a false start there. You're going to get, you're going to get penalties as part of the game, but you got to minimize them and try to minimize turnovers. Don't make dumb decisions. Don't make bad throws. If they do that, this, this should not be a difficult game for them. Uh, I, I really feel like the Colts are the superior team. They just can't beat themselves, and they just make, they have to make sure they take care of the little things, and the rest of everything else will take care of itself. That wraps up our matchup between the Colts offense and the Jags defense, our keys to the game. So you know what that means. It's time for predictions. Week one, Colts-Jags. Jason, you go first. What do you got? I got the Colts winning this game. I think they're going to lead late by double figures. I think Jacksonville gets a late touchdown, and Colts win by four points. I think Phillip Rivers is going to have a huge game, and I think he's going to shut up a lot of haters. I think the defense is going to come out and ball and, and really play well. I think, I think this, this game's going to be dominated from beginning to end by the Colts. I just think the final score will make, the, make it look like it was closer than it actually was. Yeah, when you look at the Colts and Jaguars from last year, it was very odd. You hear about a tale of two halves. Well, last year was kind of a tale of two halves the two times we played them. The first time we beat them 33-13. to The second time we lost to them 38-20. to So two polar opposite games. You win by 20, you lose by 18. Very rare to see that in the NFL where you play the same team. You can see different outcomes, but to see a 38-point swing from the first time you play a team to the second time you play a team – very, very rare. Doug Marone returning as the Jaguars head coach. I don't think the players love Doug Marone. And you see so many players leaving Jacksonville this offseason, whether they were traded, whether they were cut, whether they held out. And whatever happened, happened. They got out of Jacksonville. Every one of them, it's a common theme that they didn't want to be there. They couldn't wait to get out. And then you see a guy gets traded and former teammates who also got out are like, God bless you. You couldn't be in a better position. Thank God you got out of there. So worst organization. So it seems like the Jacksonville Jaguars organization is the most toxic place in the NFL right now. And I think they are clearly going in the tank. Now that doesn't mean every player is going to just fold because the team, the organization wants to tank for a quarterback. But I don't think there's a lot of positive energy right now in the Jaguars organization. I think it's a very negative atmosphere right now. And I just think the Colts are the opposite of that. I think we have so much optimism, so much unity. You know, they love playing for the head coach. They love the general manager. Everything has been as a team, team, team this offseason. And I think that we roll them. I think we win this game. Right now, the Vegas spread is eight. I think the Colts cover that. I think they win by 10 plus. I'm going to go something like 24 to 10. I think 24 10. I don't think. The Jaguars move the ball against our defense, and I think Phillip Rivers has a solid debut for the Colts. I don't think it's the best he'll play all year. I think he will get better 
as the year gets on. I think T.Y. has a big day against this Jaguars secondary, and I think we pound the ball. And I think the Colts will have a lot of games this year where they win by 14 points, they win by 10 points, but it feels like 35 points because of our ability to run the football. They lose Campbell up front. That's going to be a devastating blow for the interior of that defensive line. And we ran the ball down their throats in that first game, that 33-13 game, and we did that with Marlon Mack leaving the game, I think, at halftime. Jordan Wilkins, I don't think, was available that game. So we basically ran Jonathan Williams for over 100 yards in that game. We just pounded him, and the Jaguars didn't have an answer. Now they lose Campbell. We add Jonathan Taylor, and now we have that Taylor-Mac combination, that one-two punch, plus Wilkins, plus Hines. I don't see them stopping the ground game. So I think it's going to be one of those games where the Colts win by 14, but it feels like 50 points because the clock will bleed and we'll run it down their throat. So I think the Colts cover that eight. I think the Colts win this game, and I think we finally start a season 1-0. Yeah, I agree. I think, I think like you said, I think, I think the score will probably be closer than the actual game. I think the Colts are going to dominate this game. They're just so good on both sides of the ball on, on the lines, and Jacksonville's lost too much. I mean, they've just that, – that AFC championship team that they had that really should have went to the Super Bowl is no – that's no more. That team is long gone. So I think the Colts are going to play well. It's going to be nice to win a friggin' opening game. It's been so long. I mean, God, that Oakland game seems like it was three decades ago. So, look, I think Jacksonville's going to come out ready to play, pumped up, as every team does at the start of a season – but I think if, if things start going wrong for them, they're the type of team that'll go and tank really quick and lose hope. And that's why I think the Colts really need to jump on them early and all and just take away all their you know, take away their hope early and then step on their neck late. And I think that's exactly what's gonna happen, and I think the Colts are gonna win this game. Yeah, and I don't think they have a lot of hope to begin with. So you're stepping on a team that's already kind of teetering on that lack of hope. The organization doesn't want us to win. If you get on them early, it's going to be very difficult for a team like that who's already talent-deprived to come back and beat you. So if you jump on them early, I think that's the key. I can't see the Colts losing this game. I definitely can't see the Colts blowing a lead in this game. And now we actually have the quarterback. We run the ball just as well, if not better, than any team in the league. The only team I think will finish ahead of us in rushing yards will be the Ravens, but that's only because they have, or one of the reasons why, is because they have a quarterback who's going to rush for 1,000 yards. We have a quarterback who's going to rush for negative 50 yards this season. So when you look at the Colts' ability to run the ball, it's going to be tough to come back against them. With our pass rush this year, which I believe is much improved than the interior push we'll get, from DeForest Buckner, it's going to be tough to come back on us because when you drop back, we'll actually be able to put pressure on your quarterback, unlike years past where guys were hanging out back there five, six, seven seconds throwing to whoever they wanted, whenever they want. I think that's going to change. So I think it's going to be damn near impossible for the Jaguars to come back against us if we get off to that hot start. So I would say that's probably the biggest key, Jason, that we went over. Get off to a fast start in this game. Put them away early because – their morale right now, that locker room, I don't know how many guys want to be there. And then when you look at the talent differential between these two teams, we were very complimentary of the Jaguars earlier in the podcast, going through some of the young players they have, some of the nice young players. Josh Allen, a tremendous second-year player out of Kentucky. But when you go down the line, outside of Allen, you can make an argument out of the 22 starters. 
the Colts probably have an 18-19 player advantage, just head-on-head player advantage over this Jaguar team. And the only glaring win they have in player-on-player matchup would be Josh Allen. So the talent, I think, is unquestionably in favor of the Colts. I think the coaching is unquestionably in favor of the Colts. There's really not going to be a home field advantage. One, because it's Jacksonville. There never is. And two, because we're going into a year now where you're not going to have fans. You're going to have a couple thousand fans. Last night, they said 17,000 fans at that Chiefs game. I never sensed a home field advantage from that crowd because you don't even have 17,000 in one spot making noise together in a compact area. They're so spread out throughout the stadium, you don't even get that sense of a rowdy crowd. So I just, I think there's so many advantages for the Colts. Can't see them losing the game. I think we get on them early, and I think we go 1-0. And that was the motto in 2018. We kind of lost that last year, but I think we get it back this year. I think we get off to that fast start. I think we beat the Jaguars at week one. And we're off to the races. What should be a very, very, very successful season for the Colts. We're all pumped up with the new additions on both the offensive and defensive and special team sides of the football because we have a kicker now, which should also help us put teams away, which we weren't able to do last year. And, Jason, I know we went over our season predictions. We're not going to go game by game now, but I know we did that back in April when the schedule was released. Real quick, season prediction for the Colts, season prediction for the NFL, NFC champion, AFC champion, Super Bowl champion, and Colts final record and where they go this season. Yeah, I like the Colts to win the AFC South, uh, 11 and 5, maybe 10 and 6, but I think 11 and 5. Uh, I think the Colts have a great bounce back season. I think Phillip Rivers earns another year. I think he plays well. Has I mean, I, I expect Phillip Rivers to have a great season. I, I think Darius Leonard quite possibly could win defensive player of the year. I think he's going to be exceptional this year. As far as the overall league, I like New Orleans and I like Kansas City. I can't go against either one of those. I just think they're the, the I think New Orleans is the best team in, in the NFC and I think that the uh, Kansas City Chiefs until proven for, until proven otherwise are the best team in the AFC. And as far as you know who I think is going to win it. I actually think New Orleans wins it, and Breeze win goes out with a Super Bowl championship and retires. I think that's what happens. Yeah, I'm in a similar ballpark with the Colts. I have 11 and five. I think we could stretch it to that 12 and four. I would need to look at the schedule again. I haven't looked at it in its totality in a while. Hopefully, coronavirus doesn't wipe us out or wipe out a couple position groups at any point during the season. That could change everything. But right now, I like 11 and five. I like that 12 and 4 range. I think we go 12 and 4 before 10 and 6. Maybe that's just my optimism speaking, but that's the way I feel at this moment because I believe we are so solid, we're so deep, and I do have faith in Philip Rivers and if the Philip Rivers from 2018 could show up, I think this team, like Chuck Pagano would say, the sky's the limit for this team, which it never was from 2012 up until 2017, but I really do believe it about this team. I love the depth of this team. I love the fact that we're solid now in all three phases. Last year, we weren't solid in any of the three phases. This year, I believe we're solid in all three of the phases, which is a huge upgrade when you're talking about the three phases of the game to go from zero to three. Pretty big difference. So I'm confident top to bottom. I love the fact that we have our entire coaching staff returning. You even look at this Jaguar team. They have Jay Gruden coming in now as the offensive coordinator. Good offensive mind. 
but not a lot of time to implement your scheme. So you look at the Colts returning OC, returning DC, returning head coach. Yes, we have a new quarterback coming in, but thank God that quarterback played with the head coach and played with the OC in San Diego for a number of years. So he has a level of familiarity with this coaching staff, with these schemes, with what we run. So I think that will help us in comparison maybe to a quarterback like Tom Brady who learned one thing for 20-something years in New England and now goes and plays for a brand-new coaching staff or Teddy Bridgewater on the move or any of the quarterbacks on the move who are starting after this wild, bizarre offseason. I think we only had 11 padded practices. I don't know if that includes the two scrimmages, the inter-squad scrimmages at Lucas Oil Stadium, but let's say somewhere from 11 to 13. That's a small sample size. No preseason games. That's a no sample size. No scrimmages against other teams for a week of practice. So you just lose so many reps. I think a team that returns their entire coaching staff and doesn't have to implement new anything is going to be in an advantageous position to start the year, which I believe we will be. So I'm really pumped up. I'm going 11-5. and five pushing 12 and four anything could you know the bounce of the ball could be the difference between 10 11 and 12 so I'll go 11 and five to be safe I think it's somewhere in that double digit 10 to 12 win range leaning towards the 12 as I stated and then for my AFC champion until somebody knocks off the Kansas City Chiefs I'll go with the Kansas City Chiefs. They looked great again last night. They got off to a 7-0 deficit, 31 straight points, rattled off like it was nothing. They now have a really nice balance in the run game with Edwards Hilaire. So I think that Patrick Mahomes now, I mean, last night, he did whatever he wanted. He completed like 80% of his passes. He had well under 300 yards, and he didn't even need 300 yards because of his ability to lean on the run game. So I think that they're just such a well-oiled machine. Until somebody knocks him off, they'll be my pick. Can the Colts knock him off and them off? Yes. But until we see it in the playoffs, I got to go with the champions. I got to give them the benefit of the doubt. Coming into the year, I was thinking Baltimore Ravens, but then Skip Bayless picked them to win the Super Bowl or pick them to win the AFC, which then I was like, all right, if he's picking them, then they might not even make the playoffs, even though they're insanely deep. And then the NFC, I'm not sure. The NFC is very weird. It seems to be the team that makes a run and gets to the Super Bowl falls off. So does that mean it's San Francisco's time to completely fall off? That's what recent history would tell you with the Rams and all the teams that make that run. I see a lot of people taking Seattle. I could definitely see this being the Saints' year. I could also see it being the Vikings' year. I think the Vikings are very solid. I'm right now in a toss-up between the Vikings and Saints. If it comes down to those two teams, I'll probably have to go with the Vikings since the Saints always seem to struggle with them in the playoffs. And the Saints have found some incredibly brutal ways to lose the last couple of years. I don't think Seattle's good enough defensively. I don't think the Packers have enough weapons around Rodgers. I think right now it's between the Vikings, who have been knocking on the door in recent years, and the Saints, who have also kind of been knocking on the door in recent years. So I don't want to pick the same thing as you, but I, I do think the Saints will get there too, and I will have a different result in the Super Bowl. I will go with the Kansas City Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes and that firepower just being too much for the Saints to handle. And the Saints have found incredibly tough ways to lose in all the rounds up until the Super Bowl. I think this is the year they get back to a Super Bowl for the first time in, what, 12 years since 2009. 
and they find a brutal way to lose to Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs. I mean, if the Colts can't be in the Super Bowl, Luke, that, that's not that's not a bad Super Bowl matchup, man. I mean, that'd be fun to watch. A lot of offense in that game if that's the matchup. But hopefully the Colts can shock everyone and make a run and get, and get to the Super Bowl. They certainly have the talent to do it. They have knocked off Kansas City before. I think they match up as well as anyone does against Kansas City because of their ability to run the ball and dominate the line of scrimmage. So the key for the Colts is, man, just get into the playoffs. They just got to get there. Once they get in there, they can make all the noise they want to make. They've got the talent. They, they certainly can beat anybody in the league, in my opinion. No question. And I definitely have Super Bowl aspirations and expectations for this team. I think we can get to and win a Super Bowl. I'm just the benefit of the doubt guy. Right now, I like to go with the cha- – even though I don't think anybody's repeated in like 16 years – to win back-to-back Super Bowls. I don't think it's happened since the early 2000s with the Patriots, like 03-04. But I do like to give the benefit of the doubt to the reigning Super Bowl champion. But when you look on paper, and not just on paper, but you look at the field last year and that Colts-Chiefs matchup and the way we ran the ball, and we did it basically without a quarterback, and Jacoby having, I think, is the lowest quarterback rating of the season against the Kansas City Chiefs, and now all the new pieces we added. And then you look at the Forrest Buckner Super Bowl tape against that Kansas City Chiefs offense and what he was able to do in that Super Bowl, getting in the backfield, pushing the pocket, If we get that player in Indianapolis and we have that level of productivity, which we didn't have, and we didn't even have Darius Leonard when we beat them last year in the regular season. So you have Venetari kicking, even though he had a good game. You have Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. You don't have Darius Leonard. You don't have DeForest Buckner. I love our matchup with the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's going to be a fun season. I'm so excited. I'm so pumped up that football is here. Jason, final remarks. We'll wrap this thing up and we will get ready to watch the Colts take the field on Sunday, which I could not be more pumped up for. My final thoughts are this. I'm really, really pumped to see the defense this year. Uh, First of all, everybody that listens to this podcast knows how much I love Matt Eberflus and everything that he stands for. Now he's got the three tech. We get Kenny Moore back, who's a big part of our defense. We add Xavier Rhodes. I mean, that game plan he had last year against Kansas City is one of the most incredible things I've ever seen Uh, with the amount of injuries that we had. uh, I think he's an underrated coach. I think he's going to be a head coach someday, and I'm pumped to watch those guys play. I think they're going to come out on Sunday and make a statement, and uh, I just can't wait to watch this defense. I think think this defense is going to be special. I really do. I think the linebackers that we have are second to none in this league. They can make all the plays. I think Okariki is a star in the making. And Darius Leonard, to me, is going to be the defensive player of the year. So I'm excited. I'm really – I mean, obviously everybody's excited to see the offense, to see how Rivers plays. But I'm really, really pumped up about this defense because we finally have a three-tech and a guy that can really change games. I mean, Autry was good that one year, but he wasn't a game-changer. This guy is a game-changer. He will change – the complexion of our defense, and I just can't wait to see it. Yep, and that wraps up our Week 1 Colts-Jaguars game preview. 1 o'clock CBS on Sunday. Colts-Jaguars, the addition of Phillip Rivers making his Indianapolis Colts debut. DeForest Buckner making his Indianapolis Colts debut. You have two teams that seem to be going in different directions with the Colts and Jaguars. Let's hope that everything that we see right now on paper translates 
to the game field, the rookie debuts of Jonathan Taylor and Michael Pittman Jr., and the health now of T.Y. Hill and saying this is the healthiest he's been since 2016. It seems like everything's coming together for the Colts finally. It's been a long time coming. It's been a long offseason. Football is back as the Colts head into week one against the Jacksonville Jaguars. That's Jason Spears. I'm Luke Diamond, and this is the For the Culture Podcast.